And Holy Spirit, you are a teacher. You are sent to teach us, and you live in all of us. So I just pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and an understanding heart to receive the Lord. And it's from that, O Lord, and your word, that, um, that truth, O Lord, that we learn that sets us free. And I pray that we would all be set free by your truth. The Lord, that we disp- would wash our minds from all the, the wrong thinking and teaching and that we would be able to see and understand clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, so I've uh, really enjoyed teaching this because um, a lot of these principles and stuff I've been teaching is I, I kind of knew, but you know, when you really have to study, study, and pray, and pray, and pray, and study, and pray, <laughs> it really kind of uh, allows the Holy Spirit to open your eyes even more, you know, and uh, Paul really did a good job trying to make uh, the Galatians understand that it is not through the law, you know, that you please God. It's through Jesus Christ, through his grace. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus did, you know, not about what you did or doing or going to do. It's all about Jesus. And everything that we have from God comes through what Jesus, because of what Jesus did, you know. And because of that, it is now a free gift for us, right? It doesn't matter about our past or our present or even our, what we, you know, our future. It matters about what Jesus did. And guess what? That will never change. It's already done. It's already accomplished. So, so today's lesson is Galatians, lesson seven. And this is sons are slaves, right? So we're kind of talking about that a little bit earlier, you know, about uh, being. So, yeah, so Galatians seven. Um, let's see. So let's go ahead and start. Sons are slaves. So in Galatians four and 21 and, and, and 31, um, Paul is going to do a comparison between Isaac and Ishmael, which we were talking about. See, God's, God, God's always got a setup, you know. He's already, he's already tickling you guys' ears about what he wants you to, to, to hear and getting you ready. It's, it's beautiful to see. <laughs> uh, Paul says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman or a slave, the other by a free woman, all right? But he who has, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh or self-effort, right? We had to watch that, right? A lot of times we're like, well, God said, and then we try to help him out, and we get an, we get an Ishmael, <laughs> Uh, we really have to be, we have to watch that. But anyway, he and he of the free woman through the promise of God, which things are symbolic. So um, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the Jerusalem, which now is the ones who are underneath the law. And is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. Excuse me. What is written, rejoice, O barren, you who do, um, do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has more children than those who have a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. 
because they were dealing, you know, the Judah, the ones who were under the law, were trying to say, no, 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 you, you can't have this freedom. You have to do what we, we're doing. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to obey the law, you know, which we've covered in, um, um, in past lessons. That's impossible, you know, to fulfill the law. You know, to try to live your life and, and fulfill every or not break 613 laws every day, it's impossible, right? The law was put in place so that we could know that there was no way we could save ourselves, that we needed a Savior, and that, and that Savior was Jesus. It says, nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her, her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heirs with the son of the free man, right? So those are like, well, not can be saved from the law. No, you cannot. God has rejected you. If you're, you're saying, you're standing here and I'm like, I'm righteous. I'm right before God because of because I keep the law, which is a lie anyway, because there's no, it's impossible to keep the law. And, but you think God accepts you that way, but God will reject you every time. If you try to come to him on your self effort, you will be rejected. Because there's no way that you can fulfill it. There's only one way to come, and that's through Jesus. Shall not be heir with the son of the free man. Free man, free woman, sorry. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. There's a huge difference. If, if there's a slave in the house, and that slave has a child, that child, too, is a slave. They have no choice. They're born into slavery. Those who are free are born of a free woman or are free. They're born free, you know? And the only way that we can be born again, uh, be born of the free woman is to be born, uh, born again through Jesus Christ. So an overview of Genesis 16, 17, and 21. So basically it's the story how... Sarah, because the promise was not just made to Abraham, but it was made to Sarah that they would have a child, right? A child of promise. So Sarah comes to Abraham and go, you know, I'm really old. <laughs> We've been waiting for this promise for a really long time, you know, and I've got an idea. I'll give you my servant, and then you lay with her and then have a child, on, you know, onto the Lord. So this was their self-effort to try to make the promise of God come true. So a lot of times, you know, we're in situations where we're like, God, you're really waiting a long time. And you start squirming thinking, well, maybe there's something I've got to do to help God. <laughs> when, you know, um, God's got a plan. You know, a lot of times God uh, puts us in positions that we know uh, there is no other way but God to fulfill the, the, the promise. And then he comes through because then we can't say, well, I helped. I did that. <laughs> we can only point to one. There's only one reason and one reason alone. God promised and he came through. Why did he wait so long? I really believe that's the case, that when we have nowhere else to turn to receive, and then he comes through and basically we stand and say, all right. That's all God, and I can't take any credit for it. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times we give in, you know, and we have these Ishmaels that come and cause problems, right, in our lives. 
Sometimes they're dealt with fairly quick. Sometimes they actually are um, a problem for the rest of your life. So, you know, it's probably a good idea to understand this principle that we don't need to help God. We, if God said, we need to believe that he will do. And we don't have to help him. When we try to help him, we might make an Ishmael. But then, then after that, we have to deal with it for long periods of time, or if not the rest of our lives, you know. But even then, God has mercy upon us and grace. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, Hagar was the slave woman that was given to Abraham, and she did have a son, and um, his name was Ishmael. And that he represents self-effort. We try and help God. B is Sarah. She's the one that was free, a free woman. She was able to bear Isaac, the promise. We trust God to keep his word. No matter what the situation, no, no matter how impossible it seems to be, if God said it, he will do it. We are not, we, a lot of times we get weary and we're like, I want it now. <laughs> and we, and we, we just, yeah, we're just impatient and we, and we try to help God and then we mess up. And then once we figure out we messed up and we, we get over it, then God's like, okay, I'll get you right back on path. And the promise, the promise, you know, eventually comes, you know, but you know, like impossible situations, you know, uh, think about it. Here's the children of um, Israel. They leave Egypt, and God leads them on this crazy path, and then they're stuck between mountains in, in, in the Red Sea. Well, the enemy thinks, oh, man, look, they don't know what they're doing, and now they're trapped. And so they get all mustered up, you know, and go that way. And so the Israel uh, children don't understand. They don't see from God's perspective. Because God was laying a trap <laughs> for the Egyptians, the Egyptian army, right? And so they come, and, but the children of Israel didn't quite understand. They know they were following God. Do you guys ever feel that way? But God, I was following you. I was doing what you said to do. Why am I in this situation? I'm going to die. <laughs> If you're being led, know that God has a plan. And sometimes he just likes just using you to destroy the works of the devil. Trust him in any and every situation, right? Now, they could have chosen to, to try to run, but they would have been destroyed. But because they, they chose to, to move forward, to trust in God, God poured part of the Red Sea. They were able to cross, and God said to them, You see these Egyptians? You will no longer see them ever again. God utterly destroyed them, you know. So we get in situations, sometimes it looks like impossible situations, but that's exactly where God wants us to be. But God has a plan. God has made a promise. He made a promise to them that he was going to take them into the promised land. So we need to understand no matter what happens, what we come against, God is faithful, and he will always, always do what he says. So praise God, um, Abraham and, uh, and Sarah finally came back around. Once they figured out, they messed up. 
Matter of fact, you know, Sarah comes, she goes, God judged between me and you. I know I asked you to do this, but, you know, she was trying to hit, kind of hinting that it really was his fault. <laughs> so they both had to repent, you know. They both had to change their mind, even though Abraham begged that God would use, you know, Ishmael to be the promise. No, could not, will not work. That's not what God meant to happen. So Genesis uh, 16, 4 through 11 said about Ishmael. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. (laughs) I've made my maidservant into your, I've gave my maids into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to her, all right, okay, girl. <laughs> Indeed, your, ma- your maid is in your hand, so do with, your- with her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring of the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. Or Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said, Return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they should be counted for, uh, counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. You know, a lot of times, just because he was Abraham's son, because of that, a blessing came upon Ishmael, that God promised that he would take care of him all the just because. Even though he, he was son of a slave woman, still God was faithful and actually because he was a son, because he had a covenant with Abraham. You know, a lot of times we do something wrong, you know, and uh, God will still bless a lot of times. But it's not the full blessing that God would really intended for you to have. So don't ever settle. Like, oh, I went this way and God's blessing. But you know what? You really need to go fully into what God has said and promised because that is where the greater blessing is, right? Don't settle for the Ishmael. Press on for the full promise. Don't ever settle for, oh, this is good enough. Go for what God has promised. Don't ever give up. Keep pressing forward. Keep believing. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. God said, I believe it, it is going to happen. No matter how long it takes, I am trusting in him. So in Genesis 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. And there's that little, it's just two words, if. (laughs) We do not lose heart. A lot of times we we lose heart and then we do something foolish, you know. But, um. So, but that's, that's how it works. Let, you know, we've, he's promised, we keep believing, and then we don't, we, we need to choose not to lose heart knowing that he's faithful. Galatians 6 and 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Well, this is the same one. This is the King James Version. And, um, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And a lot of times we just, 
I just don't have anything more to give. I don't have any more faith. I'm done. I'm so done. I, 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 Lord, please. <laughs> but, you know, it, God has a plan, and he has the right time to fulfill the promise. Okay? Think about Jesus. Why did Jesus come when he came? It says that he came in the fullness of time. God had a perfect time for Jesus to come into the world. It wasn't that he, he, was, he was straining and straining and straining and finally he got Jesus into the world. He had a plan. In the fullness of time, Jesus, the promise, you know, seed of Abraham, the seed of, of Eve, you know, finally came. And we have to know that God's got a plan. If he said it, he has a, he has a plan to make it happen and when it makes, makes it happen. Our job is just to continue to trust in him and know that what he said he will do. Psalms uh, 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, we need to continue to, to read his word, to study his word, and then follow after the Holy Spirit, right? He will give us the steps, you know. The, the word of God doesn't tell you, you know, whom you should marry or if you should take, you know, take on this business or that business or, or take this account or that account or, but you know what? The Holy Spirit can tell us. And that is a light onto our feet. It's, it steps. Even though he might, he, he might say, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to give you a business and it's going to be a million dollar year business. It doesn't just happen like that, right? It happens through steps. And you know, the Bible doesn't tell you every, every step you should take. And we need to be sure that we're by faith walking out each and every step as the Holy Spirit leads. But we can count that as the word of God. He will lead us and he will bring us to the end of the promise, whatever that might be. Steps and stages to receive the promise. There's little goals and everything that God has set for us and we can get there and then we can, it's almost like you're, you're going through the desert and there's an o- oasis, you know, and you get refreshed, but that's not the destination, you know. We need to know and understand that God is not going to come short of his promise. He still has that destination in mind. This is just a, a time to rest, to refresh, you know, and then to move on again. So the two covenants that we see that we've read about, one covenant is a bondage that came because of the flesh. The second came through the promise, which was by the Spirit. So Genesis 21, 1 through 3 says, Grace through faith. So God will wait some time till the, promise, uh, till the promise can only be filled by his supernatural action. You know? It says, By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Why? So no one can boast that they did it. The only one that can boast is Jesus Christ. And he can look on you and say, you know, you're the reason why I died on that cross. And you are the, my, my victory and my blessing. Said, um, let's see. And the Lord visited Sarah. And he, said, he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoke. If the Lord said it, we believe it, and he will come through. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who, uh, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. 
Isaac finally came. The promise finally came. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 11 through 12 talks about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. Not just past the age, but far past the age. Because she had judged him faithful who had promised. So when God makes a promise, that's where we need to stay. We need to stay where I have judged the Lord that you are faithful. That you will, you, will, you will bring this promise to pass. Therefore, from one man in him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Okay? So Paul shows that the truths of the gospel were, were, were present in the Old Testament law. But the legalistic Ju- Judaizers had been blinded to those, those truths. They had misinterpreted the purpose of the Old Testament law and were therefore wrongfully teaching that conformity to the law was necessary for salvation. Peter spoke of people who are willfully ignorant of the truth. And Paul said in Galatians 3 that legalism was foolishness. They're a fool if if they think they can be justified through the law. So Second Peter, and these are the scriptures that we're referring to, for this they will, willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were made. They willfully forget. In Galatians 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth which, whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So we're going to go on to B. The covenant of bondage, um, descriptive words. So, you know, uh, Paul has been throughout trying to convince the Galatians and they're now us that we don't want to look or trust in the law at all because it is just, it, he says foolishness, but I want to say it is just stupid. <laughs> it is just stupid to even think that the law could save or the law could, would put you in a place to where you can receive something from God. It's all about Jesus. Right, so um, let's see. These are descriptive words of the law. All right, so if you choose the law, this is what you get. First one is a yoke. Right now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we, who were able, who were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So this is Peter talking to uh, the church at Jerusalem. You know, Paul had came to them and was basically saying, look, these, these Jews are coming and trying to tell you know, the Gentiles they have to be circumcised and obey the law. And after a long discourse about it, Peter gets up and says this. He goes, he called the law a yoke that they couldn't bear. And now, hey, why are we trying to put this on the Gentiles? <laughs> you know? And he says, we couldn't bear it. They can't. They're not going to bear it too either, you know? So, you know, his, his deal was is that it's by grace. It is a free gift. It is like I'm handing a gift to Pastor Lorraine, and she could just choose to receive it. It's something that I paid for. That because I love her, I want to give her. And she can receive it or reject it, you know? She can, she can say, and pride said, no, 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 no. I don't want you to give me anything. 
I want to earn this myself. But guess what? She'll never be able to earn salvation. She'll never be able to earn righteousness. But that's what she would try to do if she rejected the gift of God. So when you receive the gift, you, I mean, are given a gift, you have to receive it, you know? And then the proper thing is to be thankful for it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I now get to enjoy this and enjoy it. You know what the greatest blessing of, to the one who gives the gift is when he, they see the person enjoying the gift that was given from them, you know? Jesus wants you to enjoy it. He's been given, he's given you salvation, righteousness, healing, and all these things. You know, it's a gift for you. And he wants you to take hold of it, and he wants you to enjoy it. And it brings him the greatest joy to see you enjoying this gift, this, this free gift that he's given you. Though it, it, there's no way we could ever pay for any one little thing that he's given us, you know, he paid for it. Because he loves us and he's given it to us. So uh, number two, this is another um, descriptive word of the law. We have been delivered, all right? If you're delivered from something, that's something you don't want to be in, right? And now you've been delivered at other thing you don't want to be in. So anyway, now we have been delivered from the law. The law was a bad thing. <laughs> it was not a good thing. Having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the, whole, of the spirit and not the, um, the oldness of the letter. Here's another descriptive um, word of the law, a curse. Wow, what? Here's something that I thought was supposed to be for the good, but here in the scripture it's called a curse. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Anyone who tries to fulfill the law, if you can't do it, tied to the law is a curse. <laughs> well, guess no one could do it. Peter said, we couldn't do it. Why are we trying to get them to do it, the Gentiles to do it? And because of that, the curse came. So he calls it a curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all things which um, are written in the, the book of the law to do them. A lot of legalistic churches, they pick and choose the laws they want to comply by and then try to enforce those on the people of the congregation. Forgetting about the other 600 and some laws. <laughs> That they're not even coming close to fulfilling. It's foolishness. Again, he's trying to convince you, and I believe, I've ha I believe I have you convinced now, that you don't want to go anywhere near the law. You don't want to trust the law in any way. You want to put your trust only in the grace of Jesus Christ. Here's another descriptive word, a yoke of bondage. It brings bondage. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know? Who has a yoke of bondage? A slave. We're no longer slaves. We have been set free. We have been, we have been purchased for liberty in Christ Jesus. Here's 5. He describes it as enmity. He describes it as our enemy. 
Ephesians 2 and 15 says, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, that is, the law, commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. It was our enemy. It was set in place to show us there is no way that we could please God. Here's another one. It says, made nothing perfect. Those who think, oh, I've done the law, I, I'm righteous, I'm, I'm holy, you know. No, the law makes nothing perfect. Hebrews 7 and 19 says, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the, the bringing of a better hope through to which we draw near to God, and that's Jesus. Then another descriptive word is a shadow, okay? So Hebrews 10 and 1 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never which were through with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. The law can never make things perfect. But it was only a shadow of what that which was to come, which was Jesus. Jesus said, look, you guys look to the law thinking that it'll save you. But really, it's the law that was talking. It's talking about me, about Jesus, you know. The law was all about what Jesus was coming to do. Not that they could, you could obtain righteousness from it. Um, there is a difference between the law and order and organization. So order and organization has to do with our dealings with each other and not with God. A lot of people come into the church and says, you know, there's rules and regulations that we have in place so that we can get along with each other and that things can be done decently in order. But some people come with the wrong idea that, no, you're trying to put me under bondage. What do you mean I can't give a message in tongues? <laughs> what do you mean I can't prophesy? What do you mean I can't do these things? You know, I'm free. But you know what? We have rules in place um, for, because of, we want everything done decent and, decent and in order. We want to know that if someone's coming in here, they have the right heart about what, what, what they're doing and that those things you know, are said. So there is rules and res, reg, regulations that we have in this church, and they're there for a reason, so that we can all get along and we can all benefit you know, from what's going on in this church. You know, Paul wrote extensively to, to the Corinthians about doing things decently and in order, okay? Um, and that's what why we have. But a lot of people will all balk on that. I'm free. I should be able to do whatever I want. If the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is not going to force you to go, go that way, right? He is always going to put you under the leadership, okay? Because so, he wants things done decently and in order so that all may learn and all may grow. Without order and organization, there would, be, there would be chaos. So the example is the Corinthian church. Care School has a book of rules, you know. Me and, and David, we went to Karis. Well, we had to read this book of rules, and then we had to sign that we agreed that we were going to abide by those rules. Why? Because they wanted us to, to treat the teachers with dignity and each other with dignity to do to dress as a representative of the school of Christ first, but of also of the school that our actions, our words would be that of, of for, for unity and not to cause division. So between us and God, the law has been taken away, right? But between me and you or the church, the, the leadership and you, there is rules put in place. 
So um, Barry Bennett's the one actually read the, wrote the lesson. And what he said is uh, the, the rules that we have here is so that me and you will get along. <laughs> Not you and God, because God has taken the law of the way. But for me and you to get along, if you want to stick around this place, you need to follow the rules. <laughs> so it says, these don't have anything to do with your relationship with God, but, but your relationship, well, I said with God. I should say with man. Just scratch that out and put man. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I am going to do that so I can... Remember to do that myself. Here is another descriptive word of the law, the ministry of death. This is 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 11. Who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written engraved on stones, means the law, right? He's describing the law, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. But even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because, the, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, which remains is much more glorious. You know, it was glorious. This was a word from God, but not to make people righteousness, but to, to, to keep them and make them see that they could not ever fulfill the law and they need a savior. And the law was there and put to show that Jesus was coming, that he was that ultimate lamb of God that, they, that would come into the world. We should not be looking to the Ten Commandments, but to Jesus. I know we love to want to have the Ten Commandments like in the school, put back in the schools, in the office, because there'd be some semblance of, of, of righteousness and truth. But as a Christian, we should not be looking to that, but we should be looking to the Holy Spirit. He is now the one that writes... Uh, the laws upon our heart, you know, and no longer are we treated as a slave, but as a son and daughter. And it says, there are two trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the law. It says to look to the, to the law, it kills. It says it did Adam and Eve. It kills, steals, and brings you into bondage. Bringing a curse, all terrible stuff. The tree of life is Jesus. Keep coming to him and partake of, of the life and the life abundant that he provides. Don't go to the law and reap e you know, evil and death, but come to Jesus and reap life. Through relationship with Jesus, you are propelled toward what is right. Because you have a relation with, with him, he is the one that's going to teach you truth and righteousness. How do we identify the spirit of the law? Okay, A lot of us have been taught this, and it's, it, basically it's in us, and sometimes we don't even recognize it. You know, But here's some things that you can 
if see if this uh, you can identify with any of these okay when you think your own efforts save you or gain God's favor if you think that then you are leaning on the law and we and I showed you you shouldn't be leaning on the law when sin keeps you from approaching God whoa I know that was a big one for me I'm like oh my gosh I did this and this and this God's not going to listen to me <laughs> He probably doesn't have anything to do with me right now. He's probably pretty mad, you know. But that's not true. It's only because of what Jesus did that we can come to him and come to him boldly. He has wiped away our sins. And as any, any father wants the son and the daughter to come to him and not hold back, I mean, it would break your heart, right, if your child was afraid to come to you. That's not what God wants. God wants us to come to him boldly, run into his arms, and every time, because we're her son and daughter, he will grab hold of us and embrace us and give us kisses. <laughs> Here's another one. When you think a prayer, you think of how you've been living. Oh, let's see. I've been, been too good right now. God probably is not going to be too pleased. So maybe that's when you're leaning on the law and not on Jesus. Number four says, when you obligate others to live according to your standards. <laughs> When you want to go, oh, yeah, you're not doing right, you know? And instead of bringing, you know, bringing condemnation to them, all right? There's a difference between speaking the truth in love and throwing stones like a Pharisee, all right? Where's your heart in that? You're leaning on the law even though you're deceiving yourself because there's no way you can ever keep the law. For some reason, we think we keep the law and that we are able then to, to try to point out other people's failures, wagging the finger, throwing rocks like a, you know, thinking you're, I'm, more, I'm better than that person when basically you were, brought, you were brought out of the same sin that they were brought out of. <clears throat> Number five, when you use the law of Moses as your standard of righteousness, a lot of people look to the, to the law like I'm obeying those things but they forget about the rest of it. <laughs> and there's no way they could ever do it. Number six, when you major on, on behavior modification rather than relationship, you, you to stop this, you need to stop this, and oh, saying that you need to stop this and stop that. You're trying to force yourself not to do those things instead of just out of relationship being a fruit. You need to work on this and, and that instead of relationship with Jesus Christ, which produces in time righteousness, righteous living. The Spirit will point out what needs to change and will help you to do it when the time is right. Right? When we're born into the kingdom of God, we're born babes in Christ. And a lot of times we've got a lot of babes in here, you know, that are walking around with stinky diapers and all these other things, you know, and they got drool coming out and got snot coming out of their nose and their hair's not combed and they're, you know, they're all but unbuttoned and they're undressing themselves and everything. And we're going to go, you're not right. Well, that baby doesn't understand that. What we're, we need to understand is, you know, we were there once too. <laughs> And instead of wagging the finger at them and saying, you stink, you know, <laughs> you're not right, you know, we need to go and help them, you know. 
we need to come beside them and tell them, you know, I've been, I've been here too. So let's, let's, let me hold your hands. Let me help you with this, you know, out of a heart of love and not of judgment, not of throwing stones or wagging the finger, you know. There's a big difference. It's about relationship, not about law, you know. A lot of times we see people in here, and they're doing things and saying things that you know are not right. But you know what? At one time, you had to learn those things yourself. So we need to see that in the right perspective. First of all, too, is they're not even your son or daughter, you know? If someone comes and here's your baby, and they start saying, oh, you stink and you're ugly. <laughs> your hair's not combed. Man, that parent is going to be pretty upset. You know, when we do that to God's children... I believe God's pretty upset with us too. Why are you saying that to my son and my daughter? Be careful. Be careful. But praise God. We're all babes in Christ. We all had to learn and regrow. And we're all sons and daughters of a God who really loves us. He is our Abba. He is our Father. And he fiercely loves us. Whew. <laughs> All right, so E, why does legalism exist? People who do not trust in the grace of God and feel more comfortable adhering to the law. They don't, basically, they don't trust God. They don't trust in what Jesus has done, so they feel they have to help him out. They, but the thing is, is they only pick the ones they like and throw the others away. <laughs> so they don't really fulfill the law, but only part of it. So Acts 20 and 31 and 32. Therefore watch and remember that, that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul warned them that people were going to come and try to put the law, try to bring them back into bondage. And he's tried hard to show you, you don't, you don't want to be put back underneath the law because it brings death. It's, it's stupid. It's foolishness to even think, you know, that the law would bring anything good to you. It's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is his grace, that we get to enjoy as sons and daughters all the things that Jesus bought and paid for. So one says, there is no confidence in the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and teach. So they depend on the law. Relationship is replaced with rules due to fear. They don't trust in God and they fear, and so they, they want to turn to the law. So F is sonship. Your relationship with God is what is that of a son and not a list of good and evil. God is the author and finisher of your faith. He knows exactly what needs to happen next. When you're going through a school, right, they don't put you in al an algebra class. <laughs> Everyone has to start somewhere. But the, the, the school teacher, the one who is looking after that child to learn and to grow, does it line upon line, precept upon precept. Once you graduate, then you move on. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. 
A lot of times we see what's going on in other people's lives and like, but, but I want to do that. But it might be because, well, you're not quite ready yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't gotten you there yet. He's wanting you to concentrate on other things. So look to him. Don't judge yourself by what other people are doing. That is silly. <laughs> you need to put your trust in the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to point out this is what we're, this is what we're working on right now in your life. These are the things that I want you to learn. These are the things that we're going to work on right now so that you get away from that, you know? As a, as a babe, it's time to potty train. <laughs> there's a time for that, right? And then there's, there's that process. We're all in a different process. So let's not judge ourselves by other people, but not let's not judge other people where they are, but instead love and encourage them, as a brother and sister should do, to go and help out their parents with the younger kids. That's what our, we should be doing. So let's read uh, Galatians 4, 5, and 6. To redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Wow, that's so amazing. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy. Some of the dear, uh, dear, dear term, a personal term, Daddy. God is our daddy, and he loves us. He loves spending time with us. He's invested in you, right? He didn't just have you and, and be an illegitimate father and cast you out. says, okay, you know, one, one day we'll be reunited. No, he's invested in your life. Every step, every second of every day, he is there for you, and he wants you to learn and grow and fulfill your destiny, just like any good parent would want to. Romans 8 29 for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren right John 8 and 38 I speak what I have seen my father and you do what you have seen your father do you know a, a child learns from his father and his mother how they talk even even their accent comes from the mother and father, how they talk, how they think, all these things. And that's what we need to be looking to God, that we learn from them how to talk, how to think, how to act, how to dress, how to do all these things. And not look to the law, but look to him, that he is the one that's going to, because we are sons and daughters, he is going to see to it that we learn and grow. I love this quote. The last thing here says, you can impose your standards on a slave. But a son learns from his father. That is beautiful. You have the father and he loves you. And he is ready to, for you to sit, take him by the hand and let him learn. You learn from him and grow and understand these things. That these things have come freely to you but cost a great price that Jesus would die and pay the price so that we could have this relationship with him as sons and daughters. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's just um, bow our head. Father, we just come to you and we thank you, Lord, for this amazing grace that you've bestowed upon us, that we no longer have to adhere to laws that we could never, ever keep to begin with. But we are your sons and that you love us. 
you prove your love toward us that while we yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. And you went so far beyond that that then because we received Jesus, you have made us your sons and your daughters. And I thank you, Lord, that your spirit lives in us. And as your spirit cries, we cry out, you are our daddy, you are our father. And we thank you for this relationship that we have and have with you. This living, amazing relationship with you. I just pray that you would lead us and guide us and help these truths to sink down on us, O oh Lord, that we would live our, our, our life with a heart, the right attitude towards you, that we're sons and daughters and you, you have us. You will see to it. You are the author, author and finisher of our faith. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to take about five to ten minutes.